Why do you want to learn a new language? Well, and where would you use it? What would, how how would you what would you do? I think with what it? happens is a lot of people say Spade. He's kind of funny, but it comes off dumb. And I think, what could I do to fix that? Maybe learn a, little la- a new mm-hmm. language. Because if we go international, if I take my hilarious act on the road overseas, right? We a- we we see. you're saying we. We is uh, yes in French and oh, C, it is. C is yes in Spanish. <laughs> we see, we see. We see, we see. Yes, yes. yes Introducing, yes. here, I want to do this because I, I love this company. Introducing Rosetta Stone as the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, this is the trusted expert. For 30 years, you can't go wrong. Millions of users, 25 languages they offer. You could throw any of them at me. Do they do Spanish? Yes. French? Yes. Arabic? Mm-hmm. All the biggies, all the hits. Rosetta mm-hmm. Stone, they have uh, no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. That's a big yes. deal. That's the thing. What they've invented basically is this intuitive process that you pick a language up naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. So that's designed for long-term retention, which mm-hmm. is the key. There's a built-in true accent feature. That 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 sort of shapes your pronunciation so you so you get what, it right. You blend what, in. What what are you talking about? You don't sound like it, Pepe Le Pew. It's true that when you when I do accents, but when you speak a foreign language, you want to get into the rhythm of of the of the words because that's going to make you understood a lot better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, lifetime membership has all twenty five languages for any and all trips. Your language needs in life, mm-hmm. lifetime access, twenty five languages. And that's 50% off. That is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Fly on the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses. Wow. For the rest of your life, redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. Hey, we're going to introduce Steve and Marty right now, but I want to say here's some acting tips for you at home if you don't do the master class. This is the quick one. When you're talking and you want to act and you have to say a line like, uh, hey, uh, I think everyone's going to go tonight except for dad. You could do it that way, but it really helps if you have props. So you go like this. Hey, I think everyone's going tonight <sighs> except dad. That's a good one. Nah, nah, this, that was very acting. This one's good Solid. too. 10 when out of 10. When you're shocked, David. Yeah. Are you telling me my son's oh, gay? Right. <laughs> Why are you mad about it? <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> and then this one's good. I don't know that it was such a mutating little mother. <laughs> That's my Fauci. Hey, Steve Probably Martin. can't use the gay one. but No, you can. It's funny. So Steve Martin, one of my all-time favorite of all time, uh, comics and then all the movies he did. We're just, ba- you know, just bam, bam, bam from the jerk mm-hmm. to this. this. So yeah. many good ones. Always solid. Always humble. Likes to stay out of the limelight, uh, out of the main event. And Martin mm-hmm. Short, who's very out there. Very, I think they're a great combo because of that. Yeah. On Only Murders in the Building. They also do a stand-up tour, which I've seen is a fucking home run. Um, 
They even do a joke about me in it. It's kind of flattering, right? Oh, really? They, they have a joke like about you? About me. Yeah, oh, no. funny. And uh, yeah. and I was in the audience like, oh, what? And then everyone's like, ah, what a fucking burn, dude. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. You know, of course I go along with it. Great guy, Cinema. Ha, 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 yeah. <laughs> Aren't I the <laughs> asshole? <laughs> anyway, great. Uh, Dana, you add, because I love I'm these two guys. to uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, or as I think they should shorten the name, to Steve Martin Short, because mm. every name is there. Boom. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Martin, you know, and Martin Short, I, I saw them both on television in the 70s. Martin Short thought, well, we look like we're in the same tribe. He does voices. He's cool. I was always in awe of him. And then, of course, Steve Steve Martin was a huge influence on me because he wouldn't do jokes. It was all rhythm. Excuse me. So I would say it was slightly nerve wracking to have both of your heroes on there, really. And now they are perfectly adjoined at the hip at this point of their career. And the act is incredible. They're such good friends. And so I would say it was a thrill to have both of them on. Um, Marty had one of the best years ever on Saturday Night Live as hosted a ton, and Steve Martin is just a force of nature in comedy in the last four years. Steve Martin's albums? I remembered oh, every yeah. goddamn line, and I couldn't help myself. I just wanted to say, this was funny. It's not even questions. This was good. He used to sing, and he'd go, Grandpa bought a rubber. Okay. So, and that was his whole act. It was just non-sequitur. Let me try that around. this thing. Okay, hold on. And he'd finish playing and go, this guy is good. Grandpa bought a rubber. Oh, it's a remake? <laughs> Grandpa bought a rubber. That was Steve Martin with a little jazzy Homage. thing. Yeah. Okay, guys, here they are. We don't waste your time anymore. These two uh, geniuses. We want to be longer than the actual podcast. I That's our goal in the close. intros is that it's literally they have the cadence People calls. keep going. Okay. We have to, won't. Still talking. Just, oh, not, we don't get to the real thing. Oh, Say okay. the guys, who's not even on this one? They, they keep forgetting. All right, here they are. Go, go, go. Okay, Greg, bye. Okay, Greg, fuck off. Got it. Let's start this damn interview. Yeah. Here and we by go. The way, by the way, are we talking about something in particular or we're just having fun, right? We're we're just ha- we're just having fun and you can guide us into things. We'll ask you things and you can always answer or change the subject. It's it's a conversation. Let pretend we're at Orso's <laughs> chatting. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, by the way, it's Steve it's doesn't Orso. like this idea. <laughs> it's it's or so singular. Or it's not or so's with an S. <laughs> Sorry. No. I don't I was that's never like, invited. That's like you know, Granny Clampett talking going to the cement <laughs> pond, you know. It, I thought it was sorsos. <laughs> There's an S on both sides. Because of this, you're gonna get you could get takeout food. Is that Lauren's go to <laughs> place in New York still? Orso. Right? Still Orso? That isn't oh, it? I would say Orso. Yes. yes. It's very popular and uh, really good and mm-hmm. fun. And you, it, you, you meet where the elite meet to eat. Yes. Wow. Oh. So you, you're always writing, Steve. Yes, I just created that now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. What do you, <laughs> you? You were think of it as you were there when it happened. Have you ever been at Orso and saw someone and you were starstruck and were afraid to approach them? Uh, Michael Caine. I'll just throw out a couple thoughts. Well, Michael Caine, I know, so I oh. would. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. <laughs> but I, you know, Regis. <laughs> I know, or I do. <laughs> you know everybody. 
not, yeah. You said uh, Martin knew John Lennon. Is that not, true? I would not go up for no, 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 to John Lennon. I would not go up to John Lennon. He wouldn't no. go up to him, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I knew uh, I had an evening once with George Harrison, mm, but not John good. Lennon. Never Very met John. Good. Oh, I know. You do an excellent And, and Steve and I actually know Paul. You do. Well, George was always so languorous. You, you do a good George Harrison, Marty. Yeah, do you do a specific Harrison different from Lennon? Because they're both kind of trebly. Um, no, I mean, I can't do voices. I do like three voices. I'm not you. Um, no one's you. Uh, well, I don't know about uh, Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm My heroes... Uh, Steve, well, anyway. uh, Steve has a line in our show I, after I do this impersonation story. And Steve well, I'll says... It. I'll, I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it to you. I say... Marty, I have to compliment you because you do something I don't. No, no, sometimes you're entertaining. <laughs> and then I say, no, no, you, you do impressions. You do impressions and I don't do impressions because I don't need to. <laughs> when, when did the put down motif come into your guys' <laughs> relationship and or your act? Because it is really yeah. funny. Um, well, I noticed uh, when I first met Marty that he would do it naturally, <laughs> and it was part of his humor. And mm -hmm. you know, it's a it's a way of I assume it's a way of saying I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Marty is the master of that by making you feel badly about who you are. Yeah, and and so I kind of got wind of it, and I liked it. Because it's it's that old thing that the wall of irony that keeps you from hugging. Yes. <laughs> mm. what, it, what is a classic? Like you said, a Jimmy Fallon's like you're the best late night show to go to sleep to. It's that kind of turn. Yeah. You know. Well, and I listen. I, I grew up in an Irish Catholic sarcastic family, so that was mm -hmm. the norm. You know. I grew up in a warm, loving family. Uh Marty, who met who first and who went up to who first? I, I, I briefly met Steve backstage of the new show in the middle of a new show. And I was going to Catherine O'Hara's dressing room, who was also in the new show. This is Lauren's a primetime mini SNL of 1984. Probably. Spin off. And um and I, I briefly met Steve and he was in, he, you smiled and, but you were getting a change. You were focused. And the next time I met him was I went to his house in July of 85 to pick up a script for three amigos. Whoa. Fucking three. Wow. Amigos. And did you have to audition for him or and, and did he you had, already have to And he hadn't been invited. That's what's on the story. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Just knock on the door. Um, I did not audition, but I was not the first request, you know. I told Marty. Uh, when I gave him the script, I said, now here's your script. And when you when you read it and you come across Rick Moranis's name, just cross it out. <laughs> <laughs> read it and take the third funniest part. That's yours. Yeah. <laughs> is it satisfying to you guys that that movie is, has gotten shinier and brighter as time's gone on? I mean, it was it was a, a hit. Say it. But Say it. It was uh, a flop. No, it, well, wasn't a flop. it was a flop. <laughs> no, it, it, was, was, it was. I didn't know that. That's what you're thinking. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> I, okay, I, I confess. It, it bombed horribly. I, I have to say. No, hey, how are you? They don't. You know, it, it, it did fine, but it wasn't uh, like I, I kept thinking, oh, this is going to kill them. 
mm-hmm. and that it didn't kill him. And then, and then about actually about five years ago, uh, I got a call from Empire Magazine in uh, England. It was a movie magazine, and they said, mm-hmm. "I said, uh, I said, they said we want to put you guys on the cover," and I said, "Why?" And they said, because it's the 25th anniversary of Three Amigos. And it broke even. And today. I thought, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> uh, it finally broke even. <laughs> and I thought, really? I didn't even know it was, uh, you know, venerated, I guess. Fuck yes. Oh, my God. I grew up. Uh, unreal. Unbelievable I, movie. I, I, I don't know how to describe those kinds of movies that don't get made anymore. But would, would Silly be one of them? Or more overtly funny? I, I mean, mm-hmm. there's something about... There's something about well, Steve, Steve, Steve and I were talking about this the other day that when we were promoting Three Amigos, we were on the Today Show, and Brian Gumble said to Steve, "Now, what would you say if people say this film is just silly?" <laughs> and Chevy said, <laughs> "Oh, funny." And Chevy said, uh, "Oh, by the way, I make six million dollars a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I could buy and sell this place or something like that." Oh my yeah. God, Chevy was on this, Steve. And he was so, we love Chevy and you just never know what you're getting. And we definitely did not know what we were getting while we were getting it. And uh, <laughs> he, he was saying so many funny things. I wish we filmed it because he was pretty crazy and he was going after me and Dana the whole time. And But I thought it was hysterical. Truly, no offense, Marty, one of the funniest people I ever met, you know, off stage, I'm talking off stage. It's funny on stage, but yeah. off screen, he was hilarious, is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even tell you the stuff. He wants, okay, here's, an, here's a Chevy story. We were at, this is 1989, and it's the AFI tribute to Gregory Peck. And there's all these tables, you know, and Gregory Peck is getting honored. And we're all excited. And my wife, Nancy, and I go with the chases. And at one point, Charlton Heston gets up and says, I guess you could say, Greg, that I've been one lucky guy. And Chevy, without looking up from his stake, screams, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Heston gets thrown and he looks around, you know. Another Chevy story is, you know, Marty used to throw a, an annual Christmas party at his house, invite all his friends. And the deal was that everybody had to get up and do something. And sometimes you know, people would prepare, they wouldn't prepare, they'd sing a song. And I worked on a banjo song for a year. All right. Old Lang Syne, as a matter of fact. I worked on it for a year. Wow. And Chevy was there. And I knew he had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? And so I tell no, he just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So I do my thing and whatever. And then they call Chevy up and he starts off like this. He said, You have to forgive me. And I know he's ad libbing this. You have to forgive me. I'm a little depressed tonight uh because i lost my entire family who would have thought a plane would land on a boat (laughs) (laughs) just that's it yeah he (laughs) he's a trip he was very fun every single second was shtick of spit takes Everything very uh, pornographic material. Everything nonstop. And, oh, by the uh, way, Steve, I gave up on yeah. old anxiety about eight months in. On the what guitar? Yeah, on the banjo. <laughs> oh, 
On the banjo? No, I'm kidding. Steve, <laughs> do you detune on banjos? Because I, I detune on my guitar or detune or take the G string, make it an E. That's my latest toy. Do, yeah. do banjos detune? It I, goes I to, uh, you can play it in D. You mm -hmm. can tune it to D. You can play in D. You can play in G. And I, I used to play a lot in what they call double C on the banjo. It's a beautiful. Mm -hmm. Give me a C, a bouncy C. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I was watching Marty. I was watching uh, Steve at the Troubadour, nineteen seventy six. It was on YouTube yesterday, and I was doing looking you up. Of course, too much to talk about with you. Uh, one of my all time favorites, of course, of both of you guys. And uh, you were talking about your banjo, and you did a joke where you—it's hard to see—but you spreading your fingers, and you're spreading them so far apart. <laughs> and you go, I could go with an easy tiny pinky chord up here. <laughs> but I'm going for the fullest extension. So many jokes. Some of those old stand-ups you do, I know I, I, we're jumping around, but obviously I w was in the era of listening to your albums back and forth, knowing everything. I won't bore you with that, but knowing every line and it's sort of fun to hear it and not see it. I never saw you in person uh, do stand-up when I was in Arizona. And then seeing that Troubadour was kind of funny because I remember the, the albums and hearing, you know, there's so many change-ups, so many throwaway jokes gets physical fast, change up again. I didn't really know. Now that I know more about stand-up, I didn't know. It was hard to put your finger on why I liked it, but then I, there's so many layers to it, and it's so smart and thought out. It's great. Well, I, I think actually uh, because I was kind of physical that the albums worked better not seeing what was going on because it made you go, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. Because you you'd fade away like, from the mic was, and go, more wine, you know, or, or just do things, and I'd picture in my head, what is he doing? What's going well, if uh, you know, if you listen to a Jerry Seinfeld record, you can just relax, mm -hmm. just <laughs> listen and be happy, and you never have to say what's going on. But that that was an era where it was like they didn't have HBO comedians, and right. you know, it was all records. I think Jerry should do a vinyl album because he has that that voice you want to listen to, and you'd see him on the cover, and the title of the album would be "Paper Clips." Why? <laughs> sorry we had to go there um you know steve one thing that's very cool about your career is the aesthetic like it seems like the album cover where you're blurry with that rabbit ears on oh right is such a beautiful album i mean that picture are, are you completely controlling all the artwork i uh i loved that picture because so there's cool. a there's a a mystery uh, to it. I've used it before on the cover of my book too, Born Standing Up. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll have to think of the uh, his name. Uh, the photographer's name was Bobby Klein. He actually traveled with me mm -hmm. as a what? A, uh, a photographer? <laughs> <laughs> a man who takes pictures? More like a companion to oh. do. Oh, 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 hi -oh. Let's, uh, let's explore this. He did acupuncture. And I'm sure uh, he did. crudite. <laughs> oh, we did acupuncture, all right. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. You yeah. might feel a little prick. <laughs> well, that's what he told me it was. That's uh, you're. That's is, fine. Is it supposed to hurt like that? <laughs> <laughs> is it not supposed to hurt? And um, yeah, and he took that photo, and uh, I, I, I don't, I can't even describe the photo because it is. It's almost a. It's you're. I'm there, but not there at the same time. It's a ghost-like image. So cool. Yeah, it seemed like serious about it rather than being a funny cover. I, I can know. talk 
Jesus all day. Yeah, really? All day. I just like the idea. I like the idea, which I've never heard of. You're there, but you're not there. That like, it kind of blows yeah. my mind. Well, listen, you were there at the moment I said it. <laughs> Dreamlike. Here's an interesting connection for me personally. So I see mm -hmm. Marty on SCTV, completely blown away by his rhythms, his attitude. And he, uh, the one I really stood out for me because it went on so long, you sad. doing Rob Williams in the yeah. studio and climbing up the ladder. And then Steve, <laughs> uh, the blue spot bit, you know, I saw you at the Berkeley Community Center at the height of that character you were playing. But the blue spot <laughs> bit had no joke. It went on for five minutes. It's all about commitment and rhythm. And I won a comedy competition because I did a bit based on rhythm, and I'm sure it was completely influenced by you. But it's you called the blue race. spot bit. No, it was a single guy. What do you do? You work? You go to school or what? You know, I'm in college doing this. But it's interesting for me that my two favorites now are a comedy team at times, you know? Yeah. It's sort of interesting. <laughs> You know, it's 40 years later, there they are. And it makes sense to me because you guys just have this, I don't know what you call well, it, you, magic. If you, if I, Marty, do you want to talk about the blue spot bit or should I just continue talking about it? I want to hear about the blue spot okay. bit. Well, the, to me, the blue spot bit was just <laughs> all remember, about I've got, Remember, I keep meaning to get to a lot of your work, but I'm no, so yeah, I know. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I yeah, love not this. A clue. Oh I love God. that you're calling it the blue spot bit. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> what is it called, Steve? In your world, I, I, well, it's the blue spot bit, but it's, okay. uh, uh, it's a but track. It to excuse yeah. me, that's what. Yes. That was. Oh, that's that right. Right. It was all damn. about the arrogance. That's what just made me laugh so much. The arrogance of being insulted because you can't get a blue spot. You're trying to be. I'm trying to play a banjo song and I need a blue spot. I can't. So I'm an artist now. You're talking to the lighting man. Yeah. Ostensibly. In the middle of your show. You have to build the anger and arrogance very slowly. First, it's really casual. Can I get a blue spot? Could I get a blue spot? And then it just builds and builds and builds. And then you wait. Me. Don't you go red, blue or red? Doesn't matter. So do we have that spot? Have we have that? <laughs> so, uh, but, but the point is, is that since I'm on this podcast and kind of talking about myself and Marty, that, that arrogance mm. runs through our comedy, I would mm. say. Yes. Is my phone it is, it's a fun angle. Are you hearing yes. That? Like, like, no. um, here's a typical joke we do, yeah. which is the same idea where I say to Steve, Steve, can I just say what an honor it is for me to be standing on the stage? <laughs> Let me just say standing on a stage next to a man who's a, com a comedian, a writer, a novelist, a playwright, and a legendary comedian. And I say, let me say, what an honor it is for me to be standing next to the man who is standing next to that man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued, what was in Al Capone's vault, or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay, because you can learn it all on the new podcast WikiHole from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host Darcy Carden and her favorite comedian friends as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you learn that's the science-y term for eardrum.
Wikihole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, how the hell did we get here? Follow Wikihole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Wikihole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Could I just mention on this general topic your titles of your shows? Because I, when I hear them, I go, "Well, that's they're all the greatest titles." That yeah, you could always have. has anyway, a good title. If I'd saved, I wouldn't be here. I think that was going to be one that you were going to use, Marty, for a Broadway show. That's that, right. Yeah, look, uh, see us now because you won't later, <laughs> or you won't believe what they look like now. I mean, all that's these are so. F- that's the current. Yeah, show. one okay. was called. One was going to be called. Two for the price of three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't always. Had, uh, what was the one we did? Uh, uh, the Dukes of Funny Town. The, the Dukes of Funny Town is our next one. We think the best yeah. show in in the town right now. You'll see now. at the moment. The, at yeah, the moment, the, funny, yeah. the funniest show in town at the moment. Yeah, but the Dukes of Funny Town you're going to use for the next whatever. Yeah, tour. we're thinking of that. Yeah, <laughs> will there be a song? <laughs> We're, the Dukes. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's so hard to think yeah. of funny titles. You know, Steve, also, no, I love the title of your book, Number One is Walking, and just how inside that is and how funny it is. Uh, <laughs> they call uh, on a movie, they call the first person the call sheet number one. And all day, no matter what you're doing, there's someone next to you going, number one is uh, 10 100. Number one is walking. Number one's going yeah. to this trailer. And they just try. It's, it's uh, so annoying. And it's just so funny to see it, that. Explain that. What, why you chose that. And what, what I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I had an anecdote about it. Uh, and it's that, you know, I, the first time I did a movie and I heard like the jerk and I'd hear number one is walking. I go, oh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, number one. <laughs> they don't need to do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, then you do your fourth or fifth movie and you hear number one is walking. Now you're kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. And now you're going, wow, number one is walking. It was fantastic. And then I did a movie with uh, Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin. And I heard number three is walking. <laughs> <laughs> went, well, whoa, what? Oh, a what? dagger to the heart. Oh, that was it's complicated, right? Yes. Which is a brilliant. That's a movie that you can watch, you know, over and over again. It's a huge favorite. Even my Marty gives it up on that one. But is is oh, it? No, no, no. You got to. <laughs> you you got know, uh, that that's just one of those movies that works. It just it's works complicated great. Complicated is mentioned in the new Kelly Clarkson song called "I Hate Love." Holy I shit. saw that you do a solo on that when you're. I your play banjo, banjo on yeah. it. Yeah, and it's a really good good record, and it's very. Uh, it's one of those lyrics that's very direct, mm-hmm. like "I hate love" and. Names, names, and you know, yeah. <laughs> there's no, it's all the there's no metaphors. Hmm. Yeah. Well, can I just ask you very quickly because I'm just interested? Like, when you write your so-called writing your songs on the banjo, is that just from fiddling around literally for hours? Do you record them on an iPhone initially, rough drafts, or how I do, do they I record? I, I'll find a little piece. Mm-hmm. By the way, I know this is not that you can cut this out because well, yeah, we will cut. It. No, no, they're not even rec- they're not even recording. Yeah, they've already. <laughs> we uh, stopped so ten I'll, minutes I'll ago. Recorded on an iPhone, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. once so you I'm get going in your pro- into your process, no one's recording. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I'll keep going. 
sometimes I'll do a video of my hands on the neck so I can remember how I got to that note or something. You know? Okay. And so uh, Marty, uh, go on, yeah. uh, over this side of the Zoom, do you record things, if you think of a bit or something, something creative, do you record it on your phone and keep these memos of ideas yourself? Yes. Because yes, I do. I, would. I, yeah. I, I, I do that immediately. I send myself emails or texts all day. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Subject, it's, hilarious. It's the only yeah. problem with Marty is when he, when he sends himself a text, I hear him, he, the text comes in and he goes, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> Early onset dementia is something that can happen to anybody. There's nothing to be ashamed about it. No. Do I know a Martin Short? Is anyone here in Menza? <laughs> so what, okay, these are qu general questions I have. What's Menza? I auditioned for Menza. Yeah. Mensa is the Society of Geniuses. Uh, well, oh, Sharon, so Sharon so Stone. Sharon Stone is in Mensa. Yeah. And David I Spade. always think it's based on your IQ, and you right. get in like 140, 138, or something like that. Ooh, just but missed when it. I, when I hear people with high IQs, I go, yeah, but what have you done lately? Exactly. Well, at least you hold, at least you hold no bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know your IQ? I don't. I, mean, I have I no know idea. Not, you only know not, it if it's high, I think. I just wanted to ask you guys this question. I don't have to force it. No one's it bragging in, but, about an 81. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, you're. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm coming up as a comedian and like uh, there's Richard Pryor and George Carlin and there's you guys and Robin Williams and these are big, big influences, who, who were like when you were. Like who was it? Was it Danny Kay? I don't want to. Was it was Patty Arbuckle, Flip Wilson, or was it contemporary? I, I, I used to be able to do Danny Kay's face. This is his whole act. <laughs> Martin is Marty just his made eyes. a yes. face that looks just like Danny Kay. <laughs> I want to go back to Mensa. Not many people are doing it. All right, yeah. let's go More back Mensa. to Mensa. I want to go for one second because I had a joke and I thought this is going to kill him. It was in the in the in the show. And it didn't work at all. And the joke was, uh, Marty's IQ is off the charts. It's that low. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, you got nothing. Marty, well, it's it. it's like a joke. It's a, like a joke Gene Bayless would have done in '58 somewhere on the Catskills. <laughs> anyway, my my biggest influence, I'd say, is Jack Benny. But I loved mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Lewis. I think Marty loved Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Uh, and Laurel and Hardy I loved. And Lenny Bruce I loved. I was just reading some of his jokes. Were you an Abbott Costello fan or uh, as well? Uh, meets Frankenstein? Uh, yes. uh, as a kid, I was. because it yeah. was just, But I wouldn't say that I was influenced by it. I would listen. Uh, my favorite was Abbott and Costello. In fact, I loved Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein so much. Mm -hmm. But my first play that I wrote was called The Prehistoric Horror. And it was about <laughs> a monster that comes back to life. And it was just ripped off mm -hmm. from uh, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. And Jonathan Winters and Jonathan Winters. Oh, right, right, right. Jonathan Winters. We did a joke in our show that act, act, actually in, inspired by Abbott and Costello their, their lives. Because I said, I love, uh, I love working with Martin Short. Because he understands the concept of 6040. <laughs> <laughs> that's don't... what Abbott and Costello did because uh, uh, Abbott, when they first got together, insisted on taking 60% because he was the bigger star. And mm. then 
And then when Costello became the bigger star, he got even with him by he was going to take 60%. Uh, I know someone who I think Bobby Slayton has the original screenplay or one of the original screenplays. And apparently he said that it would just say A, A and C ad lib. There'd be the lines of the other actors. And really? they would, you just wonder why certain things pop, you know, um, in a movie. There was a spontaneity there. It kind of made sense to me that maybe I'll do this, you do that, you come in. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But that's well. It's so it's so unfortunate. Like uh, I, I think Laurel and Hardy got along well, and they never had falling out. But Abbott and Costello did have a falling. That's too bad because they had all this timing, and then they can't see each other off the screen. Oh, they were that. Yeah, angry. but they should have. They should have gone fifty fifty, and then they wouldn't have fought. It's always about money. It's true. Do you well, guys go 50-50 yeah, or what's the is it, what, what's the breakdown? And after tax, what do you take per gig? Yeah. Um, it's a weird compromise. Steve still has to be on top. So he takes 52 to my, to my 48. Now, it's always 50-50. It has, it has 50 -50. to be. Let me ask yes. you a question. When you guys are on, you're going to have great shows all the time. Once in a while, for all of us, we get a tired audience, a dead audience. Mm -hmm. It's not really happening. Do you call audibles in your show? Like, let's go to this bit, or you just keep smiling and plow through. <laughs> the only thing uh, we do spontaneously is nothing. <laughs> 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 no, uh, sometimes if we're playing a casino, uh, you know, when you finish your show, a third of the audience gets up to leave, mm -hmm. not realizing there's an encore. So we would we would just cut the encore and wave goodbye. Yeah, that's as wild and free as we get. But that's the only only time that ever happens. For Don't me. the casinos scare you a little bit? Because I was playing a big casino with Dennis Miller, and ten minutes before we came out, and it was the theater was dead empty. And Dennis goes, "Christ sakes, Carvey, are we three dog night now? All of a sudden here." <laughs> But it was because they were all drinking and then they pour in two minutes to go. But, <laughs> but Dennis is, you know, he's uh, supernaturally funny. A little, do, do a little more Dennis. <laughs> I can okay. listen to impressions all day. Yes. I know. So okay, fun. okay, Carvey, you got the big cats on the, on the pod, huh? Bringing in the Martin guy. Steve... <laughs> Steve Martin Short should be a singular name. That's how close these cats are, all right? <laughs> these guys are looking at, you know, 12, 14 large each year, you know? They got a castle in Spain, you know, the, the lake house, <laughs> North Ontario. Carvey, honest to God, you know, I'm just hanging in here, boy. I'm hanging by a thread, Carvey. I got a couple nickels in my pocket, but, you know, never made the big score, but it would have been kind of nice, I think, but, you know. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> when I when we're done, I want you to call me and just do that <laughs> half hour. Uh, <laughs> I, my my IQ goes up, or my vocabulary goes up when I do Dennis. Right. You just, just saw Dennis and Carolyn. I, I we saw the James Taylor in Santa Barbara Bowl Ooh. last week. Where Is I that bowl hilarious. a great place to play? How many it's seasons? Fantastic. Yes, fabulous. But forty six hundred maybe. It's nice. Whoa. How many? 4,600. 4, yeah, it's, something like that. Yeah. It's fantastic. Would you shoot your next <laughs> special there? Are you going to do tele another televised special? You know, early on in our, uh, you know, duo career, uh, we would have guests come on our show. So we had David Letterman in Texas. Who else have we had? 
Conan. Conan came on, but COVID? And also Billy the, Billy came on in in Santa Barbara Bowl. That's what I mean. That's what I was getting to, and it was so beautiful because you know Billy is all pro, and there's a section where we chat, and he got up and it was planned, you know, to do some of Sammy Davis Jr., which he does really well. And he was silhouetted, silhouetted against the spotlight. And so I'm seeing this outline, a shadow outline, and it was just beautiful because he would adopt <laughs> the posture of Sammy Davis Jr. And, you know, the head bowed and the hat. It was just beautiful. Yeah. The jaw, everything. Yeah. And then Marty got up. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Wait, wait, said, I don't remember this part of the story. Yeah, Marty. Gotta, yeah, I said, why can't you be more? Why can't you be more like Billy Crystal? I said, but I, you know, that's true. Or maybe I thought it. That's what I. Did. No, I think you thought it. Yeah. You know, Steve. Uh, this is David. Um, you know, I heard that you played the Universal Amphitheater in the old days, and you had the Blues Brothers open. Is that is that hard yes. to follow? Is that your that's call? Absolutely true. So what a fucking yeah. show that would be! My God. And yeah. I was in the audience. No way. No way. Yep. Wow. 1978. I could not be. You're cooler. good with dates, Marty. You're really a photographic memory. I do. I, You're really our Mary Lou Henner of this Zoom. Oh, oh yes. No. I've, to, yeah. I, I've told this joke before, but it's true. I used to think, do I have H. Sam like Mary Lou? And then I couldn't remember Henner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just on the Zoom for Zoom candy. It's really about Dana. I'm just a, here for this. Look at that fucking hair today. It looks good. Uh, guys, you, <laughs> you do have a good head of hair, David. No, yes, eh, we'll talk about it. You after. are all you three of you do. are very haired people. Um, I had bangs till I was sixty, and then I decided to go go back. Sixty, I'm late in the game. It, it's that thing of you. You can't have bangs. Lauren always said I, I never went boyish. So he didn't have to worry about <laughs> aging out of boyishness. But what does a boyish person do when they're at this kind of age? Yeah. Okay, I'm way past 60, not quite at seven decades, but I'm creeping up the ladder there, you know. Uh, anyway. Well, Mickey, you work with Mickey. Didn't Mickey try to stay young Mickey. for a long time? <laughs> Mickey Rooney, I was the number one star in the world. You hear me? Bang the world sorry that's what he said every day every 45 minutes down the hallway number one star but uh mickey was 62 when i worked with him he had an incredible amount of energy and he was very very bitter <laughs> and he lived in 95 so bitterness won't paul, Sh you. paul schaefer told me that during that show he heard mickey on the phone screaming to one of his kids you want to do your own thing you know what i Call it your own broke thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know Carl Reiner directed him in one of his later movies. And he said, I just hated him. <laughs> Carl did. <laughs> it, it was me, me, him, and Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane's first job, my first job. And with Mickey Rooney and Scatman Carruthers in Rockefeller Center, sixth floor. Cookie. Well, wait, wait a second. When did, Paul, am I confusing the Paul Schaefer when he worked with him? I don't know I when thought, he worked with him. Would it have been after I, one of the boys? Oh, it was a year at the top in the 70s. Listen, oh, a lot of your stories aren't this. checking out. 
Okay. See, see he okay. got flush. He was doing Sugar Babies on Broadway, getting 50000 right. a week. And then the TV show, they're giving 50000 a week. And he'd been broke for decades. So he always carried like five grand with him, at least in cash. And he'd put it under my face and go, think I can afford lunch? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> but did you ever hear the story? When I was doing uh, the producers, guys who were in that cast had just done um, The Wizard of Oz with Roseanne as the witch mm. and Mickey as the wizard. <laughs> and they were on tour. And one night, Mickey kind of went blank near the end when he's sending them back to Kansas. And he says, and you, Dorothy, and you, Tidman, and you, Scarecrow, and you. He looks at the line and just goes. The bear. <laughs> That's the I've tried to think of a, I have a Scatman Brothers story. Oh, good. I want yeah, to hear because, it. But I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, I'm 12. And Fats Domino was a a, a big star. What, what was this big hit? I'm blanking on it. It's like Fats mm, Domino. Not, it's not uh, the twist. Not the twist. Not no, no. Oh, that's Chubby Checker. Ain't yeah. it something. Got it. And bing, so bing. There, was a, there was a record company called Tops Records, T-O-P-P-S. And what Tops Records did it, if it if there was a hit, they'd go, Ain't that a shame? And you go, Oh, I'm gonna go buy. And it's so much cheaper to buy for the the song from Tops Records. And then you take it home and it's Scat Ben Crothers and not fat, not Fats Domino. So oh. you'd think you'd be buying, you know, uh don't walk away, Renee, by so and so, but it'd be by somebody else. That'd all be covers. And so wow. that's my story. Well, my my scat story, I think I've told it, but Jesus, that that's your guy. story. <laughs> There's it's more my, to it, right? It's, it's wow. my life story. And, and thank God that thank, my God, best. thank God. I thank God me hosting Kimmel got canceled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Saving that one. <laughs> you are advocating yeah. for the strike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Steve was going to be. I was gonna. I was gonna guest host for Jimmy, and Steve was gonna come on this right. summer if there wasn't a strike. Yes, uh -huh. I see. And what what happened with the strike? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Can you believe it ended quickly? Uh, can you we have three different endings. Continues? <laughs> can you believe it's still going? <laughs> Aren't you glad it ended? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Oh, yes, you heard me right. You can talk to an actual human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Okay, Dana, you, you like to kick back and relax every now and then, correct? Of course, you know, it's like, all work, no play, makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what you don't want relaxing? My heart surgeon? The pilot on my next flight? The guy with the nuclear codes? <laughs> <laughs> no, those are good answers. The correct answer mm. is your money... If you have money to invest, you want it to be working hard for you. 
Mm, you know me, David. You know I'm with you on that. That's what the Betterment Automated Investing and Savings app is for. It's a simple way for you to give money a swift kick in the butt, your money. I'm listening. I'm not quite sure how they do it, but apparently automated technology is optimizing your investments without you doing a thing. You just relax. Not only that, but your money can earn 11 times the national average in a high-yield cash account. Well, 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 wait a minute. No, wait. You're telling me that I can be earning 11 times more, more than the national than... average. Yep, that's what they say. Jeez, 11 times is, well, that's even more than 10 times, which is a lot. Where do I sign up? Okay, you visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. It's time to get Betterment. I'm Jack. <laughs> you know, I like, Dana, that at the 40th anniversary that, uh, A, we all got to be there, but uh, I like, Steve, that you, you did King Tut, even if it was just quickly. Well, I look at that, I'm so embarrassed oh. by it. Because, you know, I I wore my glasses. <laughs> oh, during King Tut? <laughs> and I, and I didn't really get into it, so I, I sort of put on the outfit and went like this a little bit. But I got my glasses, I look, and I thought, well, maybe it's working in sort of the bad version of it, rather than yeah. really committing. How, right. how hard on are you on yourself, both of you guys, in terms of uh, any... Like I, I'll, I'll have podcast regret. Like later today, I'll go. I shouldn't have said that. Why was I interrupting? You know? Are you guys hard on yourselves? Uh, <laughs> Marty loves himself. <laughs> that's oh, that's what my therapist told me. Be like Marty. I'm more critical, uh, but I, I, it's not that I'm not critical. I know we do a good job. I don't think that you just kind of, yeah. I don't know why. why I, I think you need that, thing. Marty. Well, I'm, I'm just not as hard as my, I, you know, my tendency is to over-prepare for things, do the best I can, and then does, when it doesn't work out, I, I kind of go, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't beat myself up. I don't, I don't beat myself accept. up. No, I, I, I don't no. beat myself But we, we, yeah. we worry things. We, we work on We it. certainly both work. I mean, Steve is very conscientious. Uh, and if we do a talk show, he's, we're talking about a month in advance. Yeah. You know, so uh, and and that's why, you know, he's well, I think we all know when something really works where there's no second guessing at all, like that was a home run and you just want to feel that as much as possible. But 80 percent can be good, too. I was going to about Steve and talk shows. Flydini just popped into my head <laughs> a couple hours ago. I said, OK, that's an example of who else God would damn. do that? Who would commit to it? How did you think of pulling things out of your crotch on the Tonight Show? I'll tell show? you. I'll tell you. On, it's not too long a story. But Carl, I was talking to Carl Reiner one time, and he said, I just came back from Paris, and I saw the Folie Bergère show. And there was a comedian who came out, and he, he, the curtains open, and he's a little man, and he's standing next to a, a table with 500 dinner plates on it. And I, he said, I'm thinking, what is this act? And so the little man starts singing. It's hard to do on a podcast. He goes, da 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 da
<laughs> and he picks up a plate and he goes da 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 and breaks it over his head. And he goes through the song and breaks the 500 dinner plates over his head. Okay. That's the show. And and I thought that to me sounds really funny. I need five minutes because people would call me and say, you know, I just come off this stand up career that I didn't even do anymore, and I didn't have five minutes. Right. So I thought I thought of Flydini because it came from an old magic thing where. You know, a magician would come out with a top hat and he'd produce a million things from the top hat. And I just said, what if it came out of my fly? <laughs> we thought of doing it in our show, but the preparation is so elaborate. I, you know, I, I'd have to come in at, you know, noon. <laughs> right. Didn't it take you five weeks to prep that? Oh, I did it. I went down, I took it down to the uh, Magic Castle to work it. Then I went to Atlantic City to work yeah. it. Took a lot of practice. Before, I, where did I you do it, Carson? I'd love to do it in our show, but I can't, we can't get ready. He did it a, a last week or so of Carson. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah, I remember flighting. But he requested it. Yeah. He but you made, magic. you guys made me work hard on panel because it was, uh, or as people know, talk shows, because always funny, always solid. And I don't think people realize how much goes into it. And so every time I would do it, I would at least really try even if it didn't always work, but it is definitely a different muscle. Yeah. You guys extenuated the art form. I mean, Charles Grodin also did kind of something very, very unique and extremely Oh my funny. God. Yes. You, you know, yeah. and Bob Einstein too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, but you too, my, my fantasy is to go on a talk show and have nothing prepared. <laughs> but I, I think I could do it. I think I could do it. You know? <laughs> I'm sure you could. It wouldn't be any good. I mean, look how good I am right now. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that one story about the thing. But no yeah. one thinks that it's, no one thinks anything is prepared. So when you ask a normal person, they That's just true. Go, I like when you go on Ellen and you were, you were talking about uh, your car accident. I go, why do you think she asked me about my dog and then a car accident? And then if I uh, saw a bird recently. <laughs> yeah. I always like the it's uh, coincidence. Yeah. Who was really good at it? You know, well, I think somebody, I can't, it was maybe Jay literally go, someone was telling me that you just, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. like, yeah, your publicist. <laughs> yeah, my publicist. Would, would Carson really say a, a little birdie told me, is, or is that just something that impressionists made up? Or did he actually go, a little birdie told me that you are, you're trying to buy a new car, you know? Would we say a little birdie <laughs> told me? <laughs> <laughs> Might have said that, but I don't. I don't, I don't associate it with that. Birdie was like Rona Barrett. He, he, he might have been the one who said. Someone told me that you're, you know, went to France recently. That's that's it. That's the funniest SNL of all. When you're playing Carson, confused, and you say to Ed, Phil, you say to Ed. Now, Ed, <laughs> people say that that we were once. Um, hotter and more on top of it than we are, and something like that. And he says, yeah. "Yes." Peaked in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Phil made uh, Phil was just a laugh button as Ed McMahon. Like I could just go on as Johnny and just be where you're, you're at home watching a television and uh, uh, just uh, dust your jaw there. You know, <laughs> we're getting old, sir. Old reference lost on, lost younger, on viewers. younger viewers. Yeah, because it was great. some reference to the, World War Two or something, but um. <laughs> What what do you guys think Carson's, you know, he's been talked about so much, but for you as guests destroying, I mean, the the Betty Davis one is famous on YouTube, you know, 
So well, was, I have, what do you think I his have, thing uh, was? And you knew him I, too, outside the show. I was telling Marty, I have an epitaph for him, mm-hmm. for his tombstone. It would say, here lies Martin Short and his references no one got anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right. Betty Dave, I run out of them. I can't. You can't do Cary Grant anymore. No, you can't. You yeah, only... you can't do Clark Gable. One time, uh, Paul Letterman, <laughs> like it was last year, and he said, he said, you know, but Paul and and we have a big movie star. Paul, who do you think is a big movie star? And Paul was discombobulated, and he was thinking, it was ah, uh, Clark Gable. And he goes, Clark Gable, <laughs> Clark Gable. That's as current as you're going, Paul. <laughs> Who's the impersonation that you do that is the newest Ooh. The, um, that the kids would get? That the new newest, you know, like I'm still the only ones you can really do are the political Biden. ones. Biden. And I just have a new Trump where what if Trump went woke? Let's hear that. You got to be able to say, well, anybody should be able to say they're gay. I don't care if you're three, four years old. You say it. You say it proud. I've got to tell you, we're going to be doing a lot of things. We're going to have a very diverse cabinet. That I can promise you. That I can tell you. And we know how to do it. And we're going to do it. And they can't stop us. That's what they're saying. And they know it. he is just the greatest at not really saying anything. He never runs into a ditch. He's always like, we're going to do it. We got to do it. And they said, we can't, but we know how to do it. And many people are doing it. You're going to see it soon and you're going to be happy. He's an amazing jazz artist that way. It is that kind of New Yorker Regis voice. It's Queens. It's, I, it's Regis and Brando in specific, but Regis is absolutely. another guy who I just, honest to God, I just feel happy. With, I'm doing impressions because they've got <laughs> I love it. Honest, I, honest I love to God, I love being with Regis. And when I do this, and you're very nice, honest to God, you're some of the funniest people America's ever produced. There they are, the great Canadian, Martin Short, who can beat him, <laughs> and Steve Martin. It's just, I smile every time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> there was such a charm. To Regis, it's uh... oh, he was so lovely, and we used to go to dinners with he and Joy mm. at Fiorello's. Tell us, yeah, what? Uh, tell him about the the New Year's party you you went to at his house. Oh no, no, no! I was going to a party at your a dinner party at your house, but he was having a New Year's party, and so I thought we would get there like five to seven, and the doorbell rings. His head doesn't have his jacket on. He says. You're five minutes early. Where are you going next? <laughs> <laughs> he knew. He was just fun and lovely. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Just a great, great guy. I saw and, him and, on and the, authentic. I saw him on the yes. Joey Bishop show. Jesus. Mm. Yes, I did. It was too. a television show, and he was Regis, and Joey was always putting him down. Yes. Always, you know, like being snide. And Regis showed him. Well, he Regis told me. Who was me the other story. guest? Mannix? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Regis said, you know, Regis, Regis was a crooner, you know, and so on the Joey Bishop show, for whatever reason, he, he got up and sang a couple songs. And someone <laughs> at some record company gave Regis a deal. Like, we want to make an album with you, Regis. So Regis went in to tell Joey Bishop, could you believe it? They want to do a thing with me. And Regis. <laughs> Regis is telling me the story and said, Joey Bishop just said to him, that's not, that's not true. That never happened. No, you don't have a record deal. Just his ego was so really? tweaked. Yeah. I can't oh, do a Joey Bishop. Joey Bishop. No, no kidding. And, no kidding. Yeah. And Eddie Bishop, that <laughs> motherfucker. We should, Marty, we should have more bitterness. Yeah. We should work on that. 
Well, what you guys, I refer to you guys a lot as like why I'm still going because now I see you guys on top of your game. I mean, it is kind of cool, right? I I, I was going to, you know, the show Only Murders in the Building, like this great hit show Mm-hmm. all of a sudden and you're touring i mean you're kind of on fire or what what's going on in your age well group? we were always touring for a long time but the show is again you know co-created created by steve mm-hmm. you mean the so murder, I, I would, only murders in the building but that has only uh, murders in the building. a little heat on us but we know heat is uh transitory let's <laughs> say that was one of Lauren's big thing. The minute you're hot, you can feel yourself being less hot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I can. I think I can share this Tom Hanks story. It's his story. Uh, sure. He was like in the 80s, and he was doing Letterman, as a matter of fact, and Tony Randall was on the show, too, and Tony Randall came up to him and said, you're very hot right now. You're very hot. And he, Tom Hanks is courteous says well thank you then tony said it doesn't last (laughs) with a little (laughs) sing-song yeah i i like tony randall (laughs) i I liked him a lot yeah yeah he was a big letterman guy right tony randall tony randall (laughs) should we talk a little bit about snl and your guys relationship with it um you know uh martin short you're i don't know if we talked about it when you were on but just the sort of all-star year you had with Billy and everybody. It was kind of, it's a very, it's an outlier sort of one year with that cast, crushed it, and then dissipated. Do you, um, you've been asked about that, I'm sure, but it's so, something we haven't really talked about on this SNL-themed podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Well, we had, um, hold on, I'm getting. Steve's giving you your jokes. Uh-oh. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, we had a one-year contract, mm-hmm. uh, Billy and uh, Chris and myself and Harry uh, and maybe Harry Rich Shear. Hall, mm-hmm. Harry Shear. Rich Hall. And we all had one-year contracts. And I, you know, to me, I was, I still have a pro and con list of doing SNL of why I should do it and why I shouldn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was an intense year. And I always wish that, I'd been committed a little longer, so I would have, you know, because I was treating like every night, every show was a special and how much was I in it? And, you know, Mm -hmm. I never really relaxed throughout the year. And when you come back and guest host, you seem like the most relaxed person. Well, yeah, then then it's just kind of okay. And I've done (laughs) a lot of cameos where I just show up for the air show. They're always funny. Oh, that's nice. Wow. All the energy goes right to the thing. Yeah. Um, so Steve, uh, uh, <laughs> there's too much to say about you. You're in, you're 15 hosting or what are you at? Like 18? That. You and- I, might have been 16. I think yeah. it's 16, but you know, I, I, I go back to, you know, 76. I you saw know. them. I think I saw all of them. <laughs> Alec Baldwin did his 16 hostings or 17 in like two years. Oh, he- <laughs> he was my third show. His first show is my third show. So yeah, he was probably ninety. Was his first one? Ninety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Alec Baldwin was great on the show. He does voices. That's characters. He's funny. Perfect. Uh, yeah, perfect. He's, he's, uh, came, when he came in as a full blown movie star, you know, obviously incredibly handsome, 
and just rehearsing. Are you talking about? Me? Are you talking about me right now? This was about David. No, 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 Alec but, uh, Baldwin. Oh, <laughs> Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. And and uh, no one would have ever said this to me. We were just in the rehearsal. And go, I go, well, how are you doing? He's had all these movie offers. Oh, I don't want to do those. I want to do this. You know, and he was, had done a bunch of movies. And he's on his path to movies. It's so interesting. And then he want, goes on, and he's this brilliant sketch player. And incredibly uh, yeah, funny. That's, that's what's fantastic. Yeah, that's was the twist. It's like, oh, he really knows how to do this. You know? Our last, our last hosting, Marty and I did. Well, it was the only time we ever hosted together. Really, it was the last last Christmas, and it was, and it went over well. It, we were very happy with it, and the monologue played great. And I said to Marty, you know, Marty, uh, you know, that was a that was a good, that was a hit, that was good, and they might because it was a hit. Uh, ask us to do it again next year. Uh, and before, when, if, they, if and when they ask, and before you say yes, just remember, we worked on our monologue for three years. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, highest rated show of the year, Dana. I think we read that, or Lauren told yeah, us. Or, I think Lauren told, told me. And then, and then, and then uh, Steve and Marty come in, and it's like the highest rated show of the year. And then it's that thing where you say, so what have we learned? <laughs> Do you guys have favorite Lauren quotes? Because he's famous on the podcast. He's, he's beloved. Even cast members who may have had some dysfunction on the show or left it a little early as time goes on, love Lauren. And really, a lot of people wish they'd stayed longer, you know? Because of just, but anyway, he's an enigmatic character. He's the one and only Lord Michaels, and you two are two of his very, very best friends. So, I'm what's the inside think, scoop? You know, Lauren. I, I just, I, I just think of Lauren. I remember going to his apartment in May of '84 to discuss Three Amigos '88, mm -hmm. but also um, to discuss, you know, the um, possibility of what if he went back to SNL, and what if I also did. Mm -hmm. Went back, even though I just and finally I said, Well, Lauren, how, how would I don't understand how would I do another season of SNL and shoot a Western? And you said, It's called scheduling, <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's very, very Lauren. God, if you'd gone on, we could have been on the show together, Marty. If you've been That's on, true. Hmm, that would have been but Lauren. Has uh, you know, he 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 can be effortless with any type of person whether you're comedians he can be effortless with up big business people mm -hmm. he knows how to get along with them and talk to them i i wouldn't you know <laughs> i wouldn't yeah. well the qualities that he has that lends itself to the job that he has is that exactly he has so yeah, many gears and he has an incredibly hard spastic laugh because you would think of him as the image of being erudite but as a laugher he's like when he laughs it's hard it's really a yeah, thrill giggles, to make him laugh too. yeah 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 i think of him i think of him as a very joyful person i do too yeah yeah you yeah i think he loves yeah he loves his life i mean and it's such a great life and being introduced to it the the house on Long Island, his incredible apartment, and you know Paul Simon's your best friend. I mean, it was just seemed like a magic. I mean, he he taught me uh, so much about life. I mean, I'm in I, like in the '70s, late '70s, and he'd say, 
hey, we're going to Venice. Would you like to go? And I go, why? <laughs> and he said, well, it's a vacation. I said, well, vacation? So anyway, I end up going. And then, <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and I'm enjoying myself. And then we go to lunch on the canal in Venice. And the lunch lasts, you know, two and a half hours. And I thought, I would have never done this in my, I would eat in 20 minutes mm. and be out the door. And here, this is so much fun, just sitting here talking and laughing. And he introduced me to being sociable. Oh, so is it because of Lauren that you're so like really loose now? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Casual. <laughs> Mr. Ka Dana, I have a question for these guys. Uh, uh, sure. I, I know we got to wrap it up soon, but I... Uh, having a fucking blast. Steve, I have to ask, uh, I think I'm guessing you both were close or knew John Candy and in planes, trains, uh, uh, you know, John Candy's beloved, uh, forever and ever, uh, one of the greats. I think you'll agree. Um, yeah. when planes, trains, does that come written funny and written for you too? Or is one of you guys attached? And first you think of, of all, the, other one? the script was fantastic. It was written oh, by John Hughes. But there, supposedly he wrote it over a weekend. And and when I got the script, I, I think it was 152 pages long. And a, and a normal script is maybe 110 or 112. So I said to him, God, the script's so good, John. Congratulations. What are you going to cut? And he said, cut. And the first draft of the film came in at four and a half hours. Wow. But anyway, and then he encouraged John and I to ad-lib. And like there's a lot of ad-lib uh, scenes like in the motel room, we're kind of giggling and laughing. And then some jokes we just made up. Like, um, those aren't pillows was made up on the set. Really? <laughs> that's <laughs> but, kind of the, that's the line of the big trailer I mean, line. Too, yeah. Yeah. But, those aren't pillows. Uh, he was, he was so sweet and we got along so great. In fact, we made a deal at some point about three weeks in, we said, we, we'd ad lib a scene and then they'd have to cover the ad lib. So a scene that might take an hour was now starting to take three hours. And we said, we made a deal. No more ad libbing. We're not going to ad lib anymore. <laughs> but he would make me laugh so much. He would do a, a gladiator movie, uh, like an Italian dubbed gladiator movie where he would, he would say the line in Italian and then his lips would keep moving like it was dubbed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was. I done before your queen centurion, and then his lips were moved. Yeah, <clears throat> no, John was uh, John was an angel. I, I can still see John walking this door right now. That's yeah. what a strong. And he had a presence. great laugh. He loved to laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That, that was so a good face. Yeah. Is uh, the pathos that he in. Uh, planes trains and automobile yeah he really that moment when at the end i mean he's world-class kind of silent film absolutely uh, he was just a great actor uh, there was, was a scene actor. in the movie that yeah. took place at the end that was trimmed down mm -hmm. uh it's where he tells me his wife i don't want to do spoilers but it's 40 years later i guess <laughs> you're okay it's on amazon out. you can order it okay. but anyway i was i was you know Two feet across from him, doing the off screen, and I thought I, I'm seeing one of the great performances I've ever seen with his speech. Mm -hmm. I got to be there. Yeah, Jesus. that's why CTV was had such an all star superstar. Who was your gang there? I mean, it was like oh, uh, Andrea Martin, and, yeah, Eugene mm -hmm. Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Dave Thomas, Joe Flaherty. 
Rick Moranis. Damn. That's back when you could do a show with only seven people. <laughs> you don't need 30. <laughs> That's true. Before the, Eugene yeah. Levy is now doing a travel show. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. yeah. Is it true that he just never wanted to travel? But go ahead. That whole group is astounding. You can't believe that it all happened. And, and every one of the, the well, the SCTV or the. Um... Andrea Martin, you know, is in our season three. Oh, oh. Season two. Oh, she plays Steve's love interest. Uh, what about Marion? Only murders. Marion Straubner or who? There's someone else who's a guest star. Mar Meryl. 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 Meryl Streitman. Yes, yes, yes. From out of Africa with Redford. Yeah. 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 No, that, no. Africa. So you've got Andrea Martin coming out in season three, August 8th, Only Murders in the Building. Meryl Stripe. Meryl Stripeland. Uh, yeah. Pete uh, Rudler. Pete Rudler. No, or Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Paul Rudd. Okay. Yeah. 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 Pete. I'm, my, I'm not good with the names, but I, I, think, I think it's Paul Rudman. Paul Rudman. Yeah. Tina Facing. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, she's on. Tina. Yeah. Tina. Tina Facing. Jam Pat. What is, I, I should know, but what is Selena's last name? Gomez. Gun Gunther. Selena uh, Glickman. Glickstein. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Jiminy Glick. Can we can we have five seconds of Jiminy Glick? I mean that character is I'm also far excited to be <laughs> with you three who um. I don't really recognize. <laughs> I love when he went to the whispery kind of high uh part. Very high, yeah, yeah very when soft. it's incredibly very cutting. <laughs> so he couldn't hear anyone. <laughs> Listen, I use DoorDash. I'm sure you uh -huh. do too. Um, if you want more from delivery, you can get a DoorDash Dash Pass. Dash Pass. Understand? Dash Pass is your door to $0 delivery fees and more on DoorDash. So you get DoorDash and you have Dash Pass with all the goodies that is. Dash Pass is the most affordable way, David, to get anything in your area delivered to your door. Helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. Come on, man. Well, you were saying the other day that with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, that DashPass can make it easy to save on restaurants, groceries, retail items, uh, and all your local favorites that do deliver on DoorDash. On average, DashPass pays for itself in two orders, and uh, oh. that makes delivering even more worth it. Wow. So just two orders and you've got it. Plus Dash Pass gives you a special access to exclusive promotions and David member only menu items. All for get this $9.99 a month. $9.99. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code FLY24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more. After signing up for Dash Pass, subject to change, terms apply. Toyota's national sales event is happening now, meaning it's a great time for a great deal on a dependable Toyota truck. Like the Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully designed Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. 
Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals. All new Toyotas come with Toyota Care, a no-cost maintenance plan. See your dealer or visit buyatoyota.com for details. Let's go places. You know, the first time a David Spade jumping around was on Johnny Carson, I was on. Oh, food. that's right. That's right. He, I would do my first stand. What do you mean about his memory? It's uncanny. You couldn't. I couldn't tell you who I was on with. Well, because I'm more open to people and things. Steve, oh, uh, I when I Helen Reddy was that? <laughs> is that who was on with you? When I was on, Steve, it was two months Reddy. before he quit and uh, retired. Quit, and I got my six minutes together. And when I went out there. Jim McCauley, I've told this story, but Jim McCauley was the booker. I, you, Steve, you might remember him. You, maybe you didn't deal with him, but for us uh, new guys, and he goes, you go out there, you do your jokes, there's a little dot, you say it, and you get the fuck out of there. And I go, well, what if Johnny says, come over, because I heard something. And he goes, he's not. Just turn around and come back to me. <laughs> like a puppy, right? So I go. By the uh, way, that was a myth. That I think maybe it happened once that Johnny invited somebody over and it got this legendary thing right. that you get invited over or not. It was always planned. Always planned. Oh, I, I, see, I didn't I knew know. I, would, I knew if I was doing panel or not. I always knew that. So yeah. Johnny well, knew ahead of time when Drew Carey came over, he knew he was going to have him over. Well, I believe so. I mean, I'm just guessing from my experience, but hmm. it wasn't spontaneous like that because you had to have material. Well, I think, yeah, I think up. you would say, here's my act. And then you go, here's two extra jokes, maybe in case you go over. Like he has some card that gets to say, uh, you know, yeah, I heard you recently bought a new car. So, uh, so that's, I, I would believe that. Uh, I, I was so new. I didn't know anything. I just knew that that was the rumor. And then, and then you also, once you sit down within five seconds, you get your own sitcom. So I thought, oh, I guess that's <laughs> what you want to do is get blown up. So I go up, do my stuff. And I turn to leave and Johnny's there with Martin and Ed, I think. And uh, one of you guys said, oh, he's good. And, uh, and have him come over. And, and then I just left. And he goes, Johnny goes, he's, he's too nervous to look over. He's not looking. Okay, well. And, and then <laughs> I get right. backstage and Jim McCauley goes, what the fuck? He wanted you to come over. And I go, you told me not to. You told me to go back in the curtain. I didn't want to get in trouble. I, and then he goes, well, I guess I'm wrong then because you're, uh, you're giving evidence. That well, I'm, I think uh, Martin w but was you know, helping. Here's how great Johnny Carson was. And I'll give an example because I was on with Merv Griffin, by the way, who was the loveliest guy in the world, mm -hmm. sweetheart guy, but you know, didn't have the comic timing of uh, Johnny Carson. So I'm a young comedian and I have one bit where I say, uh, gee, I just uh, I bought a new car, uh, a 65 Greyhound bus. I uh, put a new dog on the side. <laughs> and that's kind of the thing that goes on. That was going to be my panel. Yeah. So I, he says, I hear you bought a new car. I said, yes, I just bought a new car. It's a 65 Greyhound bus. And he says, now, why on earth? Would you buy a five <laughs> Greyhound bus? And I'm dead. You know, uh, I can't say, well, I put a new dog on the side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Oh, when funny. I did my first one, I had a car bit. Martin, what were your favorite five jokes I did on that set when you were there? No, when I was there, so Steve, oh, I said, um, oh. I said, the one I got thing you, you wouldn't know that it wasn't a joke, but it was like you were capturing a whole 
theme in a group because you kept saying, okay, who likes dating? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Steve, I'd say my my first joke was, I got a new car. It's not really new. It's an old UPS truck. I got it so I can park wherever I want. That wasn't bad for being very new. And I think I did it. And Johnny told me later it was a real rib tickler. A rib tickler? No, he didn't. But when he came backstage afterwards, he knocked on my door to say good job or something. And I had my shirt off. I was so scared. You know, I was changing. And then I had Pepto-Bismol in my hand. And he said, (laughs) Pepto-Bismol, I I don't touch the stuff anymore. He said some joke about it. And then uh, he walked away. But very nice to come back and say, Good job. Yeah. And uh Yeah, that is nice. Didn't, that is very didn't sweet. Johnny didn't Johnny have a, a double blink and a double pencil tap as also an affirmation? You know, they'd cut to him after the comedian, he'd do a double blink with his eyes and tap a couple times. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I watched too much late. <laughs> it sounds maybe, funny. Maybe. Christ yeah. sakes, Carvey. What do you looks like the Zap Gruder film there looking at all the <laughs> film. Okay, you know. Um, so you guys, what's uh, early on, what was the best compliment you ever got? Because I got a great compliment from Steve at one point, Whoa. and then a really nice email from Marty um, that I, I was meant a lot to me. What did I say? You, you yes, I remember very specifically. Uh, I was just ran into you in the hall. I had been doing Regis for a while, and you just stopped me and you said, yeah, you're Regis. It's like, it's like at a genius level or something, something very, very nice. No. So I never forgot that. And Marty, who's such a kind you, man. You forgot it. After the 40th, uh, <laughs> the Wayne and Garth sketch went really well. And he just sent me yes, a very nice note, note about that. So you remember those things. So I just wonder, you guys, at what various times of your career, someone, like I found out once as an example that Gene Kelly was a huge fan of mine when I was doing wow. George Bush senior, that was weird. So you guys must've had stuff like that. Like I had one, I had one that's it's oblique, but I was doing the tonight show very early on. It's like 1973, something like that. And I'm in the makeup chair and, uh, the makeup, you know, in those days, your makeup was like a inch. Yeah. It's crazy. Television. Analog television. Adjusting your arrow. Yeah, your color <laughs> would be completely changed. Uh, anyway. So the makeup guy, said um uh jack binney likes you <laughs> wow. and I, I said what wow how, how, does, how, how do you know that he says well he mentioned he was here in the chair last week and he mentioned you i said how does he even know who i am because i just really hadn't been around but it was a real uh compliment about Man. really wow that's surreal because <laughs> he's my you know my hero what was it it just his timing and his um Oh, his rhythms. I, I, I mean, he's brilliant. No, he's, yeah, I, I don't know. timing. I don't even know yeah. what that is. I don't know. I, just his jokes. Even if you listen to his old radio show, the jokes are still so funny. I mean, I, I try to repeat them and they don't land, but I mean, like, wow. I, I won't uh, go into it. Don't do it, Steve. Please. You'll boys. regret it. And they'll just cut it out. I know they will. <laughs> I heard he was the least jealous comedian. Like if someone was killing, Jack would be, isn't he great? Isn't he well, wonderful? <laughs> that was important that he everybody on his show was really funny mm-hmm. from Mel Blanc to Dennis Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he I think he I always read he understood that it's his show. So if somebody else is getting laughs, that's fine. It it's all helps good the show. show. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
Marty, did you ever have, did you ever meet Jerry? Well, you must have run into Jerry Lewis. I met, uh, no, I met, um, well, I met Elizabeth Taylor who said, oh, I'm a big Clifford freak. <laughs> Clifford? <laughs> he was a Clifford freak. The 10-year-old boy. That meant. <laughs> yeah. And oh, then uh, I, when I was introduced to Sinatra by Dinah Shore. Oh, boy. And now Paul Schaefer maintains I made this up. I've made this up, but okay. I didn't. All right. But um, he's, Paul says, he doesn't speak in guys and dolls speak. You're making this up. But what Frank, when I, I said, uh, Don Shore said, this is Marty Shore. And he said, I know well of you and you're marvelous. <laughs> oh, that's so the, I know one. well of you, Paul isn't buying. Oh, marvelous is never used enough anymore. I'm going to try to start using that. I know well of you. And your no, mom didn't say, I know well of you. That's out of guys and dolls. Yeah. Come on, that's not. <laughs> Steve, can you till, still do a balloon animal? Oh, I can't even blow them up. You don't even know how hard <laughs> it is to blow up one of those balloons. It is hard. It takes lung power. When I was doing it, you know, it. I, I, finally, after night after night, I could blow them up. But they're is not. Is that why you know, they stretch them like that while they're talking? No, that's a talent. Go ahead. What? <laughs> when you're talking with the balloon, you kind of stretch it while you're talking, getting ready for the trick. Is that yeah, what you do that? But, you know, I, that's not enough. You need lungs. I couldn't even if we had to do it today. It said they'd love to see the balloon animals. I go, I, I can't. What about happy feet? Can you still do happy feet? <laughs> you know, can you do content great. feet? <laughs> I, I could, but then I would die. <laughs> <laughs> I say we don't. do something similar at the end of our show. Like a, oh yeah, you do, do guys. Yeah, you guys go crazy at the yeah. end of the show. Physically, tap a little. Yeah. So, um, all right, Dane. Anything else? We got to let these guys go. They got a heart out. Well, I was <laughs> too bad it was at ten minutes. <laughs> if David and I hired hired you guys to write us a duo act, yeah. What are yeah. we What are we talking about? If we a Money full wise. hour act with me and David, and you write it for us. Airtight. What are, what are we talking? Uh, three million. Well, I, I, we want we want some hits, but we don't want to belabor it as like a last tour show. So you can do some hits. We want um, David oh. doesn't have to be that heavy in it. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom candy. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I would like it the reverse. I. I I was I was thinking we should call uh, John Mulaney and mm -hmm. tell him that his his latest special was really bad to convince him to write for us. <laughs> that his <laughs> his writing for himself is over. So why don't you yeah. transfer all yeah, that talent it. to us? Yeah. It's, it's a cruel thing to do. But it I is would, cruel. It helps. But you guys should write for us. We need we need your your young outlook. Oh yeah. So when you guys go on the road, do you how do you get in and out of the theater and the hotel without people uh, wanting you to sign specific plastic things? things? Well, I I have a joke I do in the show, uh, which I love. I say I I love working with Marty. I love traveling traveling around with Marty Short. No paparazzi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now there's a, always a few people, but sometimes we sign it. Sometimes we're in a hurry, you know. Mm. We're, sometimes we wave. Yeah, we wave. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? They Good love waves. Mm. Uh, they love waves in lieu of signing and making their picture worth seven hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I yeah. followed you guys on the road somewhere, I think it was San Antonio. We we did some whatever overlaps, but. 
It does get me tired. You guys get tired of the road. It is hard. Even if you have it easy, it's still hard, you know? We, well, I think the most we've done is four shows. In a row. You know, well, also, there's two summer. of us. I would, if I were alone, I, I, I couldn't do it. But the fact that there's two of us, you know, it, it makes it easier. He's on stage sometimes. I'm on stage right. sometimes. He, he does 20 minutes on his own. I do 20 minutes on my own. Oh. It's cool. Yeah, you know, it's it. And we have each other to bounce off and commiserate with. And if yeah, it goes badly, it's a joke. You don't take it yeah. personally. So when you go back, you 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 start normally, Marty, and then you go back. How do you stay kind of ready backstage? Yeah, twenty minutes. And- um, no. Uh, well, Steve does the first five minutes. Then I come. Then out, you do that. And then yeah. And then he leaves, and I do another twenty. You're changing. And- you're you're changing outfits and clothes and all staying. Oh. I'm just sitting. There- with my banjo trying to warm up without annoying you. Hammock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But two does uh, help the energy. It is a solo for an hour and a half is. It's unbelievable. It's pretty... Having a partner. Mm. So Steve, you've been very busy. You have a new audio book. Yeah, just... audio book. With Adam Gopnik. Another funny title. Yeah. So the, uh... a, it was a, uh, a year of, uh, we chatted. Talk, you know, and then it was edited down to like four hours, something like that, two and a half hours, I think. And uh, Adam Gopnik's an old is a an old friend, a highly uh, skilled writer about so many things mm-hmm. and intellectual, really, uh, but with a, a, a charming gift in his writing. And so we just, you know, did an I got a call um, from uh, I want to say it's not Patreon, it's a Sorry. Pushkin. Pushkin. Pushkin, sorry. Yeah, Pushkin with Malcolm Gladwell. And, and uh, somebody's like to do this audio book. And I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. You know? uh, so it's so many, so many so Steve's. Many Steve's. Steve Martin. So many Steve's is called. Do you feel in a, in a way because of show business and uh, AI and the web and everything that you're busier in some ways or as busy as anybody in show business wants to be if they have a little bit of leverage because you can do audio books, you can do podcasting, you can do. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's insane the amount of dispensaries for i mean so how many things are you doing marty you're doing only murders in the building <laughs> i'm doing, I'm doing only in Bur- touring some, uh shows and um, solo shows and touring with well Steve. of course and of course who would ever forget my lumiere and beauty and the beast this year oh that's but right beyond yeah. that nothing <laughs> guys i don't know but i have to go downstairs i've got Excuse me are we? I have to leave. Oh, we're okay. We, we, we only have done, one yeah. more. We only have one more question. What is the meaning of life, Steve? Yeah, there goes. Oh, quickly. that's so easy. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, <laughs> well, it's a movie. We'll also, let you a guys documentary go. on Steve. Oh, there's a documentary yeah. on Steve on Apple TV later this year. That there yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Got to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, it's that time of life. The documentary. time of your your life anyway well i just want to say that's been a thrill and thank you both for coming on our podcast thank you we love your podcast it's hysterical three of my favorites we really have it's just a joy to watch the young kids it's like having and i mean this with love it's like having siegfried and roy back <laughs> but uh, we can, we can all, right, thanks, all right, thanks. thanks you. Guys. We'll see you. We'll see you around campus. Enjoy yourself, bye, guys. Bye, bye guys. Okay, bye bye. <laughs>
This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13, executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 